Hello and welcome to another episode of That 60s Recording Podcast, the podcast that has conversations inspired by the golden era of recording. This episode has been a long time coming. I had these conversations um, before the summer, but because they were recorded in quite a few phone calls, um, it was proving a little difficult to put together, um, well, slightly more difficult than my usual um, I'm, uh, I had to do a fair bit of editing on this, which isn't often the case with these conversations. I, I let you have them in, in their entirety. Um, so this week I'm chatting with Ron Ryan, which is a name that you may not have heard of unless you're a, a Dave Clark 5 fan listening to this. Um, you probably won't have heard of Ron, but he was a songwriter for the Dave Clark 5 and other artists in the 60s. He also worked as a session vocalist um, at studios in the 60s where they used to remake um, a lot of the chart hits to sell on compilations um, and also uh, sang uh, and played on on various records. Um, So he's just a general working 60s muso and songwriter who I personally think is extremely underrated. If you Google Ron Ryan, songwriter, there's a few stories around him about him on the internet, but in my opinion, he hasn't had the recognition that he deserves. So it was an absolute privilege to speak with him. Um, as I say, I recorded this over a, about three phone calls, although we had four or five phone calls. Um, I got on really well with him. I could listen to him chatting all day. Such a lovely chap. So I've tried to keep the conversation as um, full as I can. So we start off, he's big into guitars. So we start off talking about um, his guitar collection and the the conversation just sort of flows. It's not necessarily the usual structure of conversation that we have. He's just got such a wealth of stories and knowledge that I, I had some sort of target points that I wanted to speak about, but Ron just kind of went... And we we ran with that, and it was uh, it was lovely to to, to just listen <laughs> listen to him speaking essentially. And so I really hope that you enjoy these conversations. I've split them up into three parts, so you'll have them over the next three weeks, just because it was quite a long conversation. And uh, as I said before, my attention wanes after sort of forty minutes or so of listening. So I've, I've broken them up into small bite sized chunks, so you can hear them. Um, so anyway, we'll crack on with part one of my conversation with Ron Ryan. Morning, Ron. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Have you uh, you've been enjoying the sun? Yeah, yeah. I, I was out in the out, out in the garden yesterday reading uh, somebody got a lot of books for Christmas, and somebody got me uh, Muddy Waters' life story, and that was very interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm halfway through that. Yeah. All right. Is there? Would you recommend it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit hard on going. Whoever wrote it, it's. Um, the, the, it's it's quite complicated language in a way, hard to describe. It was just, you know, you've the person who wrote it um, obviously is very intelligent and very um, got, got the facts about it right and everything else, and goes into great detail. And it, it gets a bit hard reading at, at the time. It's not something you can skim through if you know right. what I mean. Yeah, but it, it's a great reference book, you know. It's good. I've got I've got that and another book I was bought, uh, Eric Clapton's Life Story. Oh, I've read that one. That's really good. I'm 
looking for. And also, somebody in America, one of my friends in America, um, uh, sent me a book about Eric Clapton's guitar. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that, that, I haven't started that yet, but it's, it's a guy who makes guitars, and, and he uses like a pen knife and simple tools. Yeah, that's I good. mean, the guitars are uh, ridiculous. I mean, I haven't got, I haven't got to the prices or anything like that. But um, it's, a, you know, it probably makes one a year if you know what I mean. And yeah. By all accounts, he picked one up in the studio and played it. And said, "Well, I've got to have one of these." And um, the guy made him one. And the, the book, our whole book, is about the guitar. So that's a, that's an interesting read. I have to check that out. My, um, my dad is. Uh, he's a guitarist, which is where sort of how I came to music, and he, he's really into Eric Clapton. So I have to have a look at that and see because I think he'll enjoy that. Oh no, he's, if he's a guitarist, he'll love it. I've got that. I've got that, and, and it's it's got pictures in as well. And the guy working in his, you know, it's real. I mean, there's a guitar maker in Ireland called Loudon. Yes, I, um, I know of them. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, he's. Uh, it's it's like him, but on a much smaller scale. And there's there's another maker in America called Collins. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> they make. I mean, quite honestly, it's it's. I mean, I could afford something like that, but I can't justify it, if you know what I mean. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always I, I had a Martin um, that I borrowed once for a TV thing, and it was a lovely guitar, but. You know, I just can't see me paying two and a half grand for a second-hand guitar. <laughs> no, no. The, um, <laughs> one of the nicest acoustics I've played was if a friend of mine's got an, an old Epiphone before it was Gibson. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's absolutely gorgeous. It, it plays, it's just a dream to play it. It's so easy. Yeah, they're, they're, there's, um, they made them in Japan for a while. Um, he's probably got the American one, but they made him in Japan before they made him in China, all made in China now. Mm. But the J- Japanese ones are, 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 are good, are very good. But the, um, the especially the Texan, uh, the American one, they've reissued re- um, it now in America, but again, it's a very expensive guitar. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked Ovations as well, but the only trouble is being a big bloke and having fondness for beer it, <laughs> it, it rolls off your stomach a bit I've always liked Ovations I've had a few of those yeah they play nicely but that uh, yeah you're right the back is a little bit odd isn't it with the big sort of plastic bowl or whatever it is I mean when people come on to me I mean uh, about guitars and what to buy and everything I always steer them towards Yamaha mm, yeah um, I've got an old Yamaha it's made in China but um, or Taiwan I should say um, and um, it's um, not, uh, about 20 years old, and um, it's a 402. They only made them for a little while. I've got one of those. That's a very nice guitar. But any Yamaha I've picked up from the cheapest to the most expensive have always very, very good value for money, good playing guitars. Um, I recommend y- Yamaha very highly. Yeah, I think, um, you know, having... I haven't played an awful lot of them, but you're absolutely right. When I, when I was uh, first starting out, I used to do a lot of the teaching in schools, and they had a lot of the Pacifica um, electrics. Oh, yeah, I've had, I've had a few of those. Yeah, and they sound great. They, like you say, they play they Well, play when really they come well. out, they knock Squire into a, into a sales slump because um, they had a, a solid um, wood body. I mean, some of the early Squires were plywood. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, they were. Although they're collectible now, and people like the old squires, a lot of them are made of plywood. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I've got a 2000 squire, um, which is, I can't remember what the model is. I get a bit confused with squires, but mine's, it's it, the colour of it's called Aztec Gold, and I don't think they did. Oh, no, nice. Yeah, I've seen it. It yeah. might be a standard. If you look at the headstock, you might see at the end, it's got, it's either got affinity or standard. It's it's, probably yeah, got, I think it's standard. Yeah, be standard. Yeah, I've had one of those. Yeah, I've had very, very good. A bit heavy. But, yeah, but, it is heavy, you're right. It's uh, it was only a hundred quid, and it I just found oh, it. Oh yeah, in a, you no, know, I, in like I bought I bought one I bought one for hundred, and because uh, I do a bit of wheeling and dealing, and I sold it for about hundred and thirty, hundred and forty. Yeah, I think they're worth because I've inquired about what what they're worth. When I found out it was, I mean, it's not like the the best guitar ever, but it was an interesting guitar. Oh um, no, no, I mean, uh, for, for value for money on that line, is classic vibe. Hmm. Have you ever tried one of them? I've played a few in shops, yeah. I've, I've not had one. No, Classic Vibe are very, very good. I've had a few of those telecasters and strats, because I say I'll wheel and deal. And I've had a few of those. I've got, I'll tell you what I've got now. I've got um, a Squire 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a, and it, although that's that's going to be twenty years old, um, <laughs> and um, it's it's mint, you know. Whoever had it didn't play it. Right. I, I, I got it cheap, and um, I, I've had a few offers for it, but um, I just like keep it around. I've got too many, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> They're nice to look at, aren't they? <laughs> well, I always say this, you know. People say to me, you know, I mean, I've got a dentist friend. Um, course dentist <laughs> say no more mm. but he's got about seven or eight in his living room seven or eight les pauls yeah wow um you know as uh, you know say no more That's old it. ones yeah you know i mean <laughs> i dread to think what they're worth you know but uh, he, he plays three chords yeah <laughs> that's it but but like he said to me he said people sound crazy right i said well no I said stock market, uh, uh, not so much stock market, but building society, banks. So any investment you're going to make, pennies, 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 pennies. You pick up a nice Gibson at the right price and stick it on the wall for a few years and see how much that's gone up. That's it, exactly. I mean, I'm. Uh, and I say, all right, you can pay 500 quid for a nice old painting. You put it up on the wall, you get a lot of enjoyment looking at it. And this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, it's an old painting. If you sell it, you get five hundred for it. You're lucky. Mm, yes. If you if you if you get that, I said you spend five hundred quid on a good, good guitar. You hang that up on the wall. You get enjoyment looking at it. If if you're into guitars, and um, oh, you off there, Vic? Okay, I'll see you later. Um, the um, uh, but at the end of the day, um, when you come to sell it. I mean, when I started playing, my uh, in in bands and doing all right, I could afford a new guitar. So I went into uh, uh, Tottenham Court Road in Selmers, and I'd look round there and I said, "What you got?" This is about nineteen sixty-six, sixty-seven, I suppose, and uh, probably a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, "Oh, hello, Ron." He said, "Because I used to go in there a lot." He said. Uh, Got these new offers in, <laughs> very thin. 
And I said, oh, that's a nice-looking box. And I bought it, 69 guineas. <laughs> uh, worth about 800 quid. Okay. Yeah, 800, 900 quid. Second, um, probably a grand. Um, 69 guineas. But he said, I've got a few telecasters in. And I said, and they're 69 guineas as well. Now, a 1965 telecaster, how much is that worth now? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, got... no, but I, I bought the... Um, I like look at the Hoffner. It looked good on stage, you know, in the yeah. band. <laughs> <laughs> that very thing. It was a good guitar. Good old days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I I think we should just dive right in, if that's all right with you. Yeah, you go ahead, mate. Well, because this is it's quite... Um, I think people would enjoy hearing you talking about guitars. <laughs> I don't know whether you're happy for me to keep that in. But... Oh, no, you keep that. You keep that. No, no, we'll yeah. keep it. Excellent, because this is sort of I thing... mean, another interesting... Is it still running? Oh, yeah, I'm, I've been running from the beginning. Okay, well, another interesting... Because you can edit it. Mm -hmm. um, another interesting thing, I was... Funny enough, I was talking to a friend uh, who phoned me from the States the other day <coughs> about um, guitars, and he was saying... I remember the British invasion. He said you were part of it with the songs. He said, but um, the British had an edge to their music rather than Americans. And I said, well, there's a reason for that. And he said, why is that? <clears throat> I said, because in the early days, there was a trade band between America and England, on Britain, rather. Yes. A lot of people don't, don't know about that. It was, and you could not buy a Fender or a Gibson guitar, a new one. You yeah. couldn't buy one then. I mean, the first one that came into the country was uh, bought by Cliff Richard, Frank Marvin. That was a Strat. <laughs> All right. And uh, I think that was about in the, in the 60s, mm -hmm. early 60s, or mid and that was the first time anybody had seen. So, <coughs> so you had to make do with what you could get. Now, the best ones on the market at that time were, were the German Hofners, mm -hmm. but they were expensive. I mean, when I started, uh, the Skiffle, you know, the Skiffle Group, I, I had a junk shop guitar, and you know about guitars. This one was a classical guitar. <laughs> Most people seem to start off on a classical guitar, mainly because it's cheap. Yes. But I couldn't get any power out of it, so I, I, it was a high action anyway. So I put electric guitar strings on there, steel <laughs> one. And the only ones that you could get in them days, more or less, <coughs> were a firm called Black Diamond. Okay. And they started, the first, the E string was 14. Wow. And it went up from there. So... That you imagine that that was bad enough on an electric guitar. Your fingers must have been fried. <laughs> well, you know what? What we used to do it used to make your fingers bleed, <laughs> and I wasn't the only one. I mean, even people who were buying um, uh, 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 F-hole guitars, you know, cello guitars yeah. with the F-holes, um, they they were putting heavy strings on them because that's all you could get, and of course the action was so high. You had to, you, you, you either thought, I ain't having this, I can't, I can't stand the pain, and my fingers are bleeding, or you said, no, I'll keep on with it, they'll harden up. 
Because don't forget, the old blues singers in America <clears throat> in the 20s and 30s, they didn't have Gibsons nine times out of ten. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Gibsons or Epiphones. They had Sears and Roebuck guitars. They got, uh, you know, mal order. Mm -hmm. They had old harmonies and stellar guitars. Yes. And, and they, were, they were cheap. And the action on there was high. And that's how they got their sound. And that's how the Brits got... Because we had to work at it, you know. And the, the, with a Fender or a Gibson, even a Squire, it's easy to play, isn't it? You know, yeah. the action... I mean, if you get it set up right, the action is, is lovely. But, well, I mean, you could get... Literally, you could get your four fingers, you know, palm your hand, more or less, through the strings and the fretboard. <laughs> it was... No, seriously, it was... And that's what it was like, you know, in them days. And that's what gave us the sound. I guess that's the a, a volume thing as well. When I mean, if you presumably that guitar you're talking about wasn't electric, so you were playing. Oh no, no, no! Well, we didn't have electric. <laughs> I mean, that guitar I had, I formed a skiffle group, and of course, a lot of friends wanted to, you know, buy that, you know, cheap guitars. Yeah. And, and picked up one or two chords, and they wanted to join us. I mean, the skiffle group was, like I keep saying, my American friends. No skiffle, no Beatles, yeah. no Stones. You know, I mean, they all started with skiffle groups, and our first skiffle group w was about seven or eight people on guitars, somebody on a washboard, and somebody on the DJ's bass. <laughs> but when it comes to singing. The um, no microphones, no amplification at all. Uh, no, no, no microphones. So what we done? We got some friends, uh, who, you know, friends of the band uh, yeah. people, and the church hall that we used to um, practice in. I would, I put all the friends down one end, <coughs> the band at the other end, and we took it in turns to sing a song, and whoever could hear the singer above the band got the job as singer. <laughs> so you ever had the loudest and, voice, basically? And that was, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I had the biggest mouth. Um, and um, the first gigs we'd done in, in um, uh, like, um, working man's clubs and that, where they started putting skipper groups on, no implication. Mm. You know, just yeah. sung. You know, uh, and and the first amplification we got was when my brother bought a 15 watt True Voice amp, Selma, and he put his guitar had two inputs in it, and he put his guitar through it because uh, he he got electric guitar by then, and I put the microphone through through the other channel, so that was our PA shared with the guitar, <laughs> <laughs> 15 watts. Wow. So we're talking, I guess, sort of mid-50s at the minute. Mid-50s, yeah. yeah. Of course, as time went on, we, uh, I mean, my first PA, I built built myself. I got a Voltexian amp, which is an X-Army amplifier, what they use. Yeah. Valve amp, worth, worth a lot of money now, but they were the cheapest you could get then. Uh, Voltexian amp I bought, and um, I bought a couple of old guitar speakers, 12-inch guitar speakers, um, got got a load of plywood, made made two cases, and put put one speaker in each, 
and that was our PA. <laughs> wow. And I mean, it worked. Well, yeah, that's um, that's. I mean, that's really cool. I, I mean, I suppose a PA system is not the sort of thing then you could just nip down to a shop. No, no, no. And the first PA systems were absolutely terrible. They were column speakers. They were like two columns with with about four or five um, six-inch speakers in them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were terrible. Yeah. The box used to make them. And they were bloody terrible. I mean, I mean, um, it wasn't until, I would say, the 1967, 68, that Burns come along and started making uh, a good, PA head, hundred watt PA head, and uh, and speakers that they all changed. You know, yeah. I remember doing a gig with the Who the first time I, no, second time I saw the Who, and that next time we done a gig with them, and um, they had bass bins. First time I've ever seen. Oh wow! Yeah, first time I've, and they had roadies. I've never seen anybody with roadies before, <laughs> and 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 this is true. They, 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 um, roadies brought in the base. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I could see it now in my mind's eye. They <laughs> brought in the base speakers, right, and nailed them to the stage. <laughs> I'm not joking. They nailed them to, and the bloke who had the venue was doing his pieces. He said, Got to do that, mate. They move around so much. <laughs> <laughs> and they've nailed them to the stage, and 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 when the Who were on, I mean, oh, they were a brilliant band, but so loud, you know. In them days, yeah. I mean, we we was nowhere near as loud as that. But crikey, when they played, oh dear me, so loud. <laughs> and but I mean, we played with them three times um, back in them in London clubs, not back in them, you know, supporting. Yeah, and. Um, I, I used to go to the bar and have a drink, but at the end, I couldn't stand when they smashed the stuff up, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I remember saving, you know, doing a paper round and that to get my first guitar and looking after it and this, that, and the other. And see people smashing, you know. I, I never got over that. I thought well, it was horrible. Um, still, still fills me with grief watching it, you know. Well, yeah. I don't watch it, but you know what I mean? But, I mean, I got chatting to the roadie on the second gig we'd done with him, and I was talking, I said, I hate him. He said, don't worry. He said, he, he said I've, I've um, what I do, he said, I've got, he, Jenny got a Rickenbacker that he smashes up at the end. He said, he don't use it for the rest of the gig. It's just the last number they smash it up. He said, but I've got him this time. I've got a steel rod <laughs> going the length of the guitar to the machine head at the top. He said, I've screwed that in and drilled it, screwed it, you'd have a job getting the neck off that bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and the speakers that they rammed the guitars in that, the ones that they'd done were empty. Uh, there was nothing in them, you know, so that was... Uh, but uh, I, I didn't like that destruction, you know. But like like Rody said, if they didn't do that, he said, there'd just be another band. Yeah, it's true. It's uh... He said, really? He said, your show business. He said, that's what got them noticed. It wasn't the... He said, there was loads of bands around um, that was just as good as this, you know. Uh, and um, But it, that was that, that. was at the end, you know, the smashing up of the things. And, and that's what they were known for. I mean, if they'd done a show then and didn't smash the gear up, there'd be riot. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's what, no, but that's what they come for. You know, that was their bit. Yeah, you know? they're expecting to but see it. I, I, I didn't like it, you know. There you go. I want to talk about your your songwriting. When did you start? So, if you think going back to kind of playing playing this um, sort of junk shop guitar, were you writing at that stage, or was that coming later? I was writing before then. Okay. Uh, now, the first memory I have, I must have been about six or seven. Um, my dad, who played uh, piano, piano accordion violin, a musical saw. Oh, right, wow. <laughs> if, you get, if you get a cross-cut saw, you know, the long one, Yeah. you know, ordinary out the, out the shop, right? right? Put it between your knees, mm. hold the top, and get a violin bow with plenty of rosin on it, and play the back, not the teeth, of course. You play the back. You can play it. It sounds like a wine guitar. Right, wow. Um, I don't know if there's anything on YouTube about it, but I bet if you put musical saw on YouTube, you'll see somebody playing it. I have to go and watch some videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't tried it myself. I'm just guessing. But my dad used to play. He used to play the... <laughs> Hawaiian thing, you see. He used to play it on there. And it, and it was beautiful, you know. Um, but he could play violin, he used to play classical stuff like um, Cavalier Rasticana, that's one of my favourites he used to play. All perfect by ear, couldn't read a note of music. Wow. Yeah, but he's, he's Irish, you see, mm -hmm. and I think he's born in the Irish. And um, he, he, he could play piano, he used to make money by playing, extra money by playing piano. And the first time I sung, was when I was about, I suppose, about five or six, I suppose. He used to take me to the pub sometimes, smuggle me in and stand me on a, stand me on a table and he used to play the piano and I used to sing. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he used to put the hat round. Yeah. I never remember seeing any of the money, but there you go. <laughs> but um, no, that's the first. But getting back to songwriting... He and a friend were, were asked to write a song for Arthur Askey. You'll have to look that up on the, in ancient history. But he's a musical star. Okay. He had a thing called Bum, the Bumblebee song or something. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, now I must have been about six or seven. Yeah, now no older than seven. And I, I was in the next room and they, they were at the piano writing the song for trying to write a song for him. And I remember thinking, no, they've got that wrong. No, that, 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 it'd be better if they, you know. I didn't say anything to me, dare say anything yeah. in them days. Kids were seen but not heard. But um, um, I, I can remember when they was trying to write this song, I was writing it with them in, in the, and trying to correct what they, no, that don't work, that don't scan, no, that's... Well, I didn't say scan because I didn't know what scan meant. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, I thought, no, that's not right. The first song I ever wrote, I can remember that. I must have been about 11, 11 or 12. And I'm walking along. I'm walking along. I, by this time, I didn't play anything, by the way. Okay. Okay. Um, 
I was music, there was music all around me, and I, I sat at the piano, but I couldn't make head or tail of it at the time. <laughs> Um, my dad was always too busy to show me, uh, always down the pub, <laughs> but, but, um, um, I'm walking back from school and it's raining and I've got a pair of heavy shoes on and my feet were going clip, clop, clip as I was walking along and it was rhythm. And I started in my head, started writing a song and it, and it was a blues um, I'd heard some blues, but I didn't know much about blues, but I'd heard uh, original Jimmy Rogers and all that. And um, it was called Deep Sea Blues. I, I don't remember any of the words, to be honest with you, <laughs> but it was called Deep Sea Blues. And I didn't even know much about blues at all, and I couldn't play it because I couldn't play an instrument, but it was in my head. So I had all the music, and I still, I mean, I've got a weird way of writing. I've never known anybody... Well, there must be other people who write like me, I suppose. But I do all my writing in the head. Okay. Okay? Because in my head, I can form a band. I can write drummer goes, that's... uh, And I can hear it all, you know. Then I put singers in, I can hear singers. And um, it sounds weird, but that's the way I do it. I mean, when I write a song, nine times out of ten, it's written before I ever sit down at the piano or pick up a guitar. Because <laughs> it's in my head. Yeah, interesting. That kind I of... mean... Sorry, go on. I, I'll give you a good example. You, you know the song I wrote, Any Way You Want It, Day Five, Five, yeah? Yes. Right. Would you believe that was written, okay... Um, in my head, and this was the lineup: a black uh, American choir, mm-hmm. right, in a church with a church band with a Hammond organ, drums, bass, guitar, Aretha Franklin singing lead, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Now that was any way you want it. It was written as a, as a gospel. Wow. That's uh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, loads of bands, including Dave Garfield, of course, have got the hit. Kiss have done it. Um, lots of bands have done it. But the best version has never been heard except for me. And that's what I heard in my head. If you can imagine that, um, you know, Reefer, anyway, you want it, you can come in. And, and then the choir come in, you know, the, the back in. Yeah, yeah. With, with the band and, and the hand clapping. And it works into a frenzy, if you can imagine that. I know it's a stretch of imagination. Not at all. I can really picture it. Uh, uh, and, that. Um, but but that, that's how it was. And the crowd going mad in the church, you know. Although it's not a church song, I mean... Crikey! I mean, it's it's a it's a miracle in a way that when I played it first of all to Dave and Mike, because that's what I used to do. They used to come around my place and I used to sit at the piano or pick up a guitar and play them a song. Hmm. When I played it, when I played it to them, um, I, they, 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 it was silence. They couldn't believe it. Said, <laughs> what? You know, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. That's just me and the guitar. And uh, I I said, "This is a new way to go. It's a kind of a gospel-y thing." Mick loved it, you know, and um, or Mike, I should say, Uh, Mike loved it. And um, but that's that's how it went. That's how I heard it in my head. But as I played it to them, 
that's how they recorded it. And and I've, I'm, that was the last song I ever wrote for the Dave Clark Five. But by, by this time, Dave was living in a great big bloody house, big house. <laughs> he, he, he showed me round and made a big deal of it all. And he's got a jag outside. And I, I'm still waiting for my money, you know. Yeah. I said, well, oh, he said, this comes from the gigs and everything, you know. And I'm, we haven't got the songwriting royalties yet, you know. Mm. You'll, have, you'll have all this. You'll have all this with your share, which, which never happened, of course. But, um, and, and that's it. But um, that's how I write the songs. And another one that, that's funny, uh, Bits and Pieces. Yes. Uh, now, there's a story there. Um, actually, it's two songs. When I... I've always liked blues and country. Yeah. They're, they're my two loves. Mainly because of the stories. I like the stories, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I I tried to get Dave to... Well, I'll, I'll go into it more in detail on something else, but they are glad all over. We had bits and pieces and all that, you know. But I said, uh, this was getting towards because, you know, the song because. Yes, yeah. Um, I said, Dave, you, you know, you, you, you're getting it. Well, I'll come on to that later on. You have to edit this. <laughs> um, right, getting back to bits and pieces, I always thought, why don't you try a, a country song, Dave? I said, country-type song, but do it in your own way. No, he said, I don't like country and western. I said, well, you know, you've got two, got three good singers in the band, Len, Mike, Lenny, and Dan. I said, and Mike could sing lead, and they could sing, sing the vocals, you know, backing vocals. I said, you know. So I wrote bits and pieces, and I come up with a title, first of all, in my head, because... With, with, with the lyrics, mm-hmm. because it was written as a country song. Okay. Okay. And the theme of the song was a guy was in misery because he had a broken heart and he was picking up bits and pieces of his heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with you. And I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, I haven't got bits and pieces by then. I said odds and ends. Because no, no, no. in them days, when you said, we say bits and pieces now, yeah. but in them days you didn't. You said odds and ends, odds and sods. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, but nobody, I can't remember anybody saying bits and pieces. But I said, oh, there's bits and pieces of his heart. Well, bits and pieces, that scans very nicely. Yeah, I love that. So anyway, I wrote this country song and I sung it to Mick and Dave. And Dave said, no, I don't like that. He said, uh, no, it's, it's not our kind of bag. And I said, well, fair enough. He said, I like the title, that bits and pieces. That's brilliant. He said, I like that. Mm. Uh, and he said, have you got anything else? I said, well, I've got this song and it's nearly finished, but I've got... I said, in fact, we've done it on with my band on on um, gigs. Yeah, this is The Walkers. Uh, uh, the Walkers, yeah. I said. Uh, and what we do... It's the like the Dave Clark thing. I'll get onto that in a minute. I told you about your mask. Said you cried in your sleep last night, didn't I? Uh, yes, I think you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that kind of beat. So what we done? We um, the band would start stomping one, two, three, four on the floor with no instruments, mm-hmm. just a bass drum for, for for four bars. 
then the drums diggity 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 bang bang like a Dave Clark beat, which it was. Yeah. And um, I said, everybody get on the floor, dance 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 gonna dance till way past four, you know all that. <laughs> and when the band slows down, we yell for more and all this kind of thing. But it was literally, I called it keep on stomping. Mm -hmm. And um, we'd done it, and it went down a bomb. And, and, and I played that. Dave said, that's great. He says, that's great. And he said, yes. And so, you know, Mike said, oh, no, I can't. So we sat at the piano and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so what actually happened, he got Mike to put, most of the lyrics from um, uh, bits and pieces on to keep on stomping. Oh, okay. Yeah. So really, it's two songs amalgamated into one. I was a bit annoyed with Dave. I said, well, you know, I said, well, after they recorded, they played it to me. I said, yeah, but you could have asked me to do that. I mean, I could. He said, well, it worked out the same. as He said, they were both there. They're, it's just mixing the two songs together. I said, Mick, Mick done that. I said, oh, well. He said, you'll still get your 50%, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Which I did, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, there we have it. Part one with Ron Ryan. Hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, part two and part three will be coming over the next couple of weeks. I don't have anything else to report, especially, so I'm just going to do my usual spiel. Of if you'd like to support this podcast by buying one of the lovely enamel mugs that we have, you can do that at my website, allyouneedisdrums.com. There is a shop there. Uh, on that website, you can also see the full collection of isolated drums I have. I think there's almost 60 Beatles stems or multi-tracks, as I've been told to call them. Although a lot of, I mean, everybody I know just calls them stems. Anyway, um, there's a complete collection of stuff up there. There's a, also some Stones tracks and there's some other 60s artists um, tracks up there with plenty more to come. Um, so you can check those all out on my website. You can also get in touch with me about drum sessions if you're interested in that kind of thing through my website. Um, that's it. I'd like to say a big thank you to Rory Hancock for putting the podcast together, to Joe Kane for the intro and outro music, and to David Henshaw for the lovely artwork he supplies. You guys have a fantastic week, and I will see you next Tuesday. Goodbye! <laughs>